welcome to the podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. It's all free. You know, you can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store. They're all free. Spotify. Why they're freer than... No, I'm not doing that today. They're free. Go get the apps. Go get the apps. It's all free. Why wouldn't you do it? And let somebody know about the podcast. Well, how is everybody doing today? We're in a great series. I I love this series. Passing the test. I know we don't like tests. We don't like them. Well, I believe the reason that we don't like them is because we have heard incorrectly for years what the tests uh, contain. Well, God's testing me with this cancer. God's testing me with this sickness, this disease. God's allowing trouble and issues to come into my life because he's testing me. God won't put any more on me than I'm able to bear. By the way, that's not a scripture at all. It's found in first imaginations. But I've heard preachers say it, and it's lies. It's lies, confusions, misunderstandings. There are tests. There are tests that everybody will go through, and you have to. If you're wanting to get to your destiny, you have to go through some tests. If you, if you want that dream that God gave to you, if you want that dream, you want that dream to get to the destiny. See, and, and that's the thing, to see that dream come to pass. You'll go through tests, dreams to the destiny. But we have to have an understanding that there will be trials, there will be tests, there will be troubles along the way. But what these tests are designed to do is not to necessarily expose your weaknesses, but rather to build your character. Because it's character that's the foundation for the destiny. And so we're looking into these tests that Joseph went through in his life. For our example, because here's a boy, he was around 17 years old, he has this dream that's no doubt from God. But he had no real character. He was very immature. He needed to have his character built up in some areas to be able to allow the destiny something to sit upon, something to to have a foundation to. And we get to see the end of the story, and we can see the great responsibility that he was handed, but he never would have been able to do that if he had not gone through and passed these tests in his life. So we saw the pride test where we know he's bragging about his dreams to his brothers. He's got some pride issues going on. He's bragging to his father and, you know, he's wearing that coat and he's walk, you know, walking around popping his collar. And I mean, you know, he was just very immature in that stage of the testing. We saw the pit test where the pride led to the pit. And we know the Bible says pride comes before the fall. All of us will fall into some pitfalls along the way to our destiny. But it's here that we can use this as a positive to begin to learn how to avoid the pit next time or how to get out of those pits a little bit quicker. Next, we saw last week the palace test. And today I want to get into this one, the purity test. The pride, the pit, the palace. How about the purity test? Genesis 39, 6 and 7, let's pick up here. I want you to hear what it says at the end of verse 6, and that's going to lead us into where we're going today. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except the bread that he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, lie with me. 
So let me say this here before we go any further, because I, I am going to take this route of sexual Im- impurity. But I want to say it's not always going to be sexual attraction in the way that, wow, they're good looking or they're hot or whatever. I've noticed that some are attracted to power. Some are attracted to people in positions. Some want to attach themselves to what God called you to do for the purpose of benefiting their own calling or ministry. So they will be attracted to you for those purposes as well. Be very careful because the devil is very sneaky. And many cast longing eyes on the purpose and the destiny you have. So it won't always just be sexual in nature, although they, will, they can maybe use that to try to seduce you. So just be aware. I recently had a younger woman, much younger than me, who started showing interest in me. And it, was, it wasn't because I'm hot. It, it, I'm much older. But what she was after was the influence I had in ministry. She wanted to attach to that. Why? To further her calling. To use me to springboard, if you will. And let me say this too, men can do it to other men and women to women. It's an unhealthy attraction to the ministry and wouldn't necessarily have anything to do with sex, but rather what can I get from attaching myself to them? So be watching for that. And again, I just went through this stuff, so I absolutely know what I'm talking about. So having a younger minister tried to attach himself to what I was doing for the purpose of trying to take it over eventually or using my influence with others. And so they will entice you with gifts and flatteries and stuff. And guys, it's just gross. So be very careful because eventually it all comes out and you need to have integrity through all of this and not make unwise decisions based off of flatteries and gifts. It's just that it's, it's as dangerous as sexual issues as well because it all leads to destruction. So I just wanted to toss that in there real quick to maintain those pure relationships that way as well. Don't allow somebody to buy their way into your dream and your destiny, okay? So anyway, she's casting longing eyes on him, Genesis 39, 8 and 9. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house, and he's committed all that he has into my hand. There's nobody greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? I love, he's, he's recognizing the severity of this, right? This great wickedness. And I love that it wasn't even that he was worried about his master, although he mentioned it and had integrity, but, but, there, um, but look what he said. And sin against God, sin against God. Verse 10, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. She just keeps coming at him day after day after day. And it's not necessarily uh, that she's a bad person. And uh, because we know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is the devil. This is the enemy using this woman and trying to pull him off track to the destiny. So you need to recognize that, that he did not heed her to lie with her, to be with her. By the way, if you hear any background noises here today, we are doing some work on the Midwest Healing Center. So you're probably going to hear some construction noises in the background if you listen. You can hear some saws and some things going on. We're, getting, we're doing work outside. We're doing work inside. So I apologize, but we're going to go ahead. The enemy doesn't take a day off, guys. Look at this. Genesis 39, 10 and 11. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men in the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he ran outside. You know, this fleeing is found in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. You need to run from it. You need to flee from it. It's a trap and it can catch you. So here's some things about impurity. Number one, impurity affects your family. 
don't, I don't think we really have a clue that if you open the door in this area and you leave that open, I don't think we understand how that can affect your family and your children. No, you can close it. It's not all hope lost, but I'm saying if you, if you don't deal with that, and we open that door and we leave it open. It's a really big deal and it's bigger than we think. It can affect generations. Look at 2 Samuel 11 when David fell into adultery. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and he walked onto the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman and somebody said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Now watch the fall. And Uriah said to David, the ark of Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents and my Lord and my Lord Jacob and his servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. So now watch how bad this gets. Watch how ridiculous this is going to make you. Now, when David called him, he ate and drank before him and he made him drunk. And at evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of the Lord. But he did not go down to his house. In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. So it was while, while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew that there were valiant men. Then the men of that city came out and they fought with Joab and, the, and some of the people of the servants of David, they fell and Uriah the Hittite died also. He put this man in harm's way for the purpose, on purpose, with the intent that I want this man murdered. I want him killed. He had this man killed so he could have sex with his wife. He could have had any other woman that he wanted in that kingdom. Look what it does to you, this kind of drive, this kind of, uh, the irrational decisions you're going to make, the poor decision-making when this happens to you. 2 Samuel 11, we know David fell. By 2 Samuel 12, the prophet of God confronts David about this. So know this, everything that's done in darkness is gonna be brought to the light. It's gonna be exposed. So here's what I say. You better expose, uh, you better embarrass sin before sin embarrasses you, right? Because I'm telling you it will. So the prophet busted him on this and, and David repented. By 2 Samuel 13, his children fell. It affects your family. There's a reason that God says to stay pure in this area. And look, he made us the way that we are. He made us with desires, but there are boundaries with this. And we have to follow them for a reason. 2 Samuel 13 and verse one, after this, after what? After David committed adultery, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Ammon, the son of David, loved her. He loved her. But what happens when love turns to lust? David had 300 wives. I mean, that was the culture then. These kings would take a wife as a military alliance with another nation. The wife he took was Absalom and Tamar's mother. Now, their father was the king of a smaller nation by the Sea of Galilee. It was a part of an alliance. So Absalom and Tamar from a, a mother, and now David is their father. And, and, and you have Ammon, who loves Tamar, who is the same father, but different mother, okay? This is a half-sister, like a stepsister. So Ammon was so distressed over his sister, Tamar, that he became sick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Am, Amnon to do anything with her. So it's not as much with her being a virgin as it's the law. The law stated in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you do not have a physical relationship with your family. Cursed is, it says Deuteronomy 27, 22, cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, amen. 
definitely. Amen. But this is the law. He knows it's wrong, but he's in love with her. I mean, now that part's true. He's in love with her. Second Samuel 13, three, but when Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother. So now we're talking about, uh, this is a cousin. Good Lord. I mean, this is a Netflix series straight out of the backwoods. So Jonadab was a very crafty man, crafty meaning not great with arts and crafts, but that he was very subtle like Satan in the garden. And he said to him, why are you the king's son becoming thinner day by day? Will you not tell me? Well, Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said to him, well, lie with her in your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, please tell my sister Tamar to come to me and give me food and prepare food in my sight that I may see it and eat from her hand. Amnon lay down and he pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said, please, please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight that I might eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar saying, now go to your brother's house, prepare food for him. So she went to her brother's house and he was laying down and she took flour and she kneaded it. She made cakes in his side and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat them. Then Amnon said, have everyone go out from me. Now, let me tell you right here, do not ever, ever, ever trust anybody at any time of the opposite sex to be with you alone anywhere at any time. I'm telling you, it's a trap. I don't care how well you know them. I don't care how long you've been around them. Just do not do it. Don't do it. So many have fallen right here by letting their guard down. Do not do it. And it says they all went out from him. Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. She took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now, when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her hand and he said, come lie with me, sister. But she answered him, no, my brother, don't force me that. For such a thing would be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And where would I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. Now, I think that she probably did love him too. She's saying, well, wait a minute. Let's, let's ask my dad. Maybe we can get married. I don't know, but let's, let's go ask him and at least try to do this right if we're going to try to do it. I mean, we don't know what would have taken place. However, he would not heed her voice and being stronger than she, he forced her to lay with him. He raped her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred which he hated her was greater than the love in which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise and be gone. So she said, No, indeed, the evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called a servant who attended to him, and he said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Listen, when love turns to lust and that lust is fulfilled, then love can turn to hate. And here's why. Love requires respect. Where there's no respect, there's no real love. That's just lust. The very thing that the world says, give it up to them so that you can keep them will become the very thing that'll cause you to lose them. You cannot love somebody without respect. He loved her, but once his love turned to lust and he fulfilled that lust, now he hated her exceedingly more than he loved her. Satan wants to ruin your life and he wants to steal from you and he wants to keep you from that destiny. He wants to kill you and he wants to destroy you. And he knows that that's exactly what sexual impurity does to somebody. We just saw it. The biggest thing to see is Amnon says to David, please let my beautiful sister come to my bedroom and let, let me eat from her hand. Now listen, any normal father could have seen right through that. Uh, no, all entertaining is going to be done outside the bedroom, thank you. Why couldn't David see this? Because he had an open door in his own life. Listen to me, if you leave the door open in your life, you're leaving it open to the enemy for your family. Any father could have seen through this and said, uh, do you think I'm stupid? She's not coming to your room. 
Oh, well, we're just studying in the bedroom. What's wrong with the dining room table, right? Sexual impurity will affect your family. Number two, impurity affects your faith. It'll affect your relationship with God. The reason it does is because you have deception in your life and you have to keep deception going in your life for this kind of thing to happen. James 1 and verse 4, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires or lusts and enticed. Then he will desire or lust has been conceived. It gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. In order to walk in sexual impurity, um, you have to learn to lie and be deceptive. And you're learning how to lie to yourselves. You're learning how to lie to God. You're learning how to lie to others around you. You have to lie a lot sneaking around, lying about it. When God says to stay pure in this area, it's not because he doesn't want you to have fun or ever experience the joy of sex. It's because it brings in sin and sin brings death. He knows this. When I tell my children, hey, don't play in the street, it's not because I want to ruin their good time. It's because I know eventually trouble is coming and you're going to be killed. So when we begin to have an impure sexual relationship or to entertain lust through pornography or cheating on somebody, whatever, you will get this adrenaline rush, right? It's exciting. We have to be honest. Now, I know that many could say, well, you know, we're going to get married anyway, so what's the difference? What does a piece of paper make? We love each other, and we want to have sex now, and we're going to be married soon anyway. It's not really about the paper. And let me say this. God designed us to fall in love and be physical with that person. But let me say it. It's the excitement of that sneaking around and that thrill of almost being caught and that rush and all that thing begins to build this unrealistic picture of what sex actually is in that relationship. Watching porn is absolutely an unrealistic expectation of what sex is in the confines of love. Let me say this as well. That emotional relationship that you're having with somebody else, it's not different. Well, I'm not having sex with them. I mean, we flirt around and I mean, they're like my best friend. Listen to me. No way your wife should have a best friend that's somebody else's husband. And no way men should have a best friend that's somebody else's wife. And when I say best friend, I'm talking about the one that you're always confiding in. You're talking to them when you have trouble with your relationships and you're seeing them and late night talks and texts with this person. No way. But not just that. Not just that. Anybody other than your partner. You can cheat on somebody emotionally is what I'm saying. You need to be very careful. I've seen many who, well, once married, we don't have to sneak around anymore. Where's the thrill of that? I've watched porn and they did this and they did that. Now you hear you're in a relationship having an unrealistic expectations from your partner. God knows this is how we are wired and it leads to trouble. It leads to issues. Oh, it's just not the same as before. Well, right. And so what can take place is now we have a partner who begins to flirt. They have some thrill outside of the relationship. They have to lie about it. They have to cover it because they need that thrill again, trying to fulfill that desire that God never gave to begin with. For men, it's usually sexual. For women, it's usually emotional. You can have an emotional affair on somebody, and believe me, it's just as destructive. Women need emotional security and attention, and a man uh, at work can give you that sometimes that maybe somebody else isn't. Well, then we've got troubles. We get us a man who's been sneaking around and having fun, and now that's over, and he's developed an appetite for that thrill, that sneaking around. So porn becomes an issue, living out fantasies. It it became about sex, and it might end up having an affair to satisfy a desire that you both created before you got married. God's simply trying to protect you from an appetite that you're not supposed to have. It's a trap. So I, I say this because of the guilt and the shame that also comes with it after the fact. So now what? Well, here I am. I'm believing God for some things. I want to serve him. I'm trying to get to my destiny. And now, wow, I've got my hands raised, but I've got my heart covered. You've learned how to lie. You learn how to be deceptive. 
And this hurts your faith. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation, it all keeps you from believing that God would want to do anything for you. 1 John 3 and verse 20, for if our heart condemns us, well, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So it's not God condemning, it's your heart knowing what you did. Now, the good news is God is greater, but usually we don't allow him to be. So what? We have now, we have no confidence towards God, which leads to what? 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Well, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we asked of him. But now all of a sudden, what? We have the heart condemning us. So we lose our confidence in God because we just know what we have done. We know, we know what we've done. And now uh, with, with no, uh, you know, no, no confidence, we don't ask God for anything. And so he doesn't hear and he doesn't answer. So we're not, so we're sitting there with unanswered prayers and it's a cycle. It's a trap. It's dangerous. This kind of thing. It affects your faith because you're not getting your prayers answered because you got no confidence in God. You're not talking to God. You're not coming to him in faith. We have to pass the purity test. Number three, impurity affects your future. In Proverbs 7, we see some impurity of a woman who invites young men into her home when her husband leaves town. But he, he mentioned uh, here in Proverbs 7 and verse 18, it says, come, let us take our fill of love till the morning. Let us delight ourselves with love for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him. He will come home at the appointed day. So with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him immediately. He went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till an arrow struck his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know that it would cost him his life. So here's the thing. If you have fallen morally, you've not forfeited your destiny. But if you continue down that road, I'm saying it will cost you eventually. He did not know that it would cost him his life. So I'm not saying that you may die young. You might live to be 99 years old, never having lived the life that God had for you to live. I know this firsthand with my own father, a man that had it all. He was a pastor of a church. He was, it was going very well. He had been with my mother since they were pretty much right out of high school. He was a big wig, if you will, in a particular organization where he was over other pastors of an entire state, maybe 50 plus pastors that were under him. He's the director of this organization. And what happened? He began counseling a woman who was the daughter of one of his good friends. She was in some trouble. And so he began to counsel her. And this after being married to my mother for well over 20 years at that time, this girl was three years older than me. And so she begins to have these closed door sessions with my dad. Well, come into my private office, you know. Now, listen, my mom was right next door, but it was a closed door. Then it was, well, uh, let me give you a ride home or here or there, just us. Then it was private phone calls, all the while growing in this organization. Talks of big plans for him to be a professor at a top Bible college in the U.S. and most likely uh, become the associate pastor of this 5,000-member church. I mean, it's really going up the ladder, right? And now it's private calls, alone time, driving her here, driving her there, you know, just helping her. And then it happened. My mom left town for a meeting and my dad had an affair. And long story short, he lost everything. He lost his lake home. He lost his position as a pastor of his church. He lost his director spot. He, he lost his upcoming associate pastor job, all of that gone. Teaching at the school, all of it gone, all of it gone. And he never, ever, ever got anything back even close to what God had in store for him. He was called for those things. He tried to rebuild the church, but you know what? It just didn't really ever go anywhere. And he had to work at a grocery store and he died early of cancer. It cost him his life in many ways. The devil is nasty. He's a killer. It'll affect your life. Number four, 
Impurity begins in the eyes. To pass this test, we have to recognize it actually begins in the eyes. Be very careful. I know it affects all these things, but what's the answer? Lust doesn't begin in the heart. It does begin in the eyes. It's so simple to overcome. Remember it says she casts longing eyes, longing eyes. Here's Jesus in Matthew 5, 28. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Woo, look at that, adultery. So back up to lust. And then it says, look, we are, we're troubleshooting this. Well, we see it's in the heart. No, back it up. Back it up. It all starts in the eyes. It's the doorway. Listen, this is so simple. Just don't look at beautiful people. No, really. What I'm saying is, you know the difference. Do you find yourself looking at people a little bit too long that you have, uh, you know, you're not having a conversation with? Well, what are you checking out exactly? Stop daydreaming of, I wonder what it's like to be with them. They're so funny and they're nice. I wonder what it's like to have them as a partner. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm just admiring God's handiwork, right? Yeah, great job there, God. No, what are you looking at and how are you looking at them? You know the difference. So how about this? The second look is lust. You can notice somebody, but after that, are you looking back? Are you checking them out? Are you undressing them, if you will, with your eyes? Wondering about things you got no right to wonder about? Looking, stirring this up, porn and all this stuff on the internet? If you don't look at all, right? Listen, you have to train yourself. You have to turn your head away. What about movies with nudity? Does that affect you? Does that make you uh, think in your mind later about it? Do you go back and watch it again and again, maybe in slow motion? I mean, this is all real. You have to guard yourself. It's like an alcoholic. They can't have one drink. Some of you have a lust problem. You can't have one look. You can't. Let me address this quickly. Ladies, if your husband, now listen to me. If your husband has an issue with this type of thing, this is in no way a reflection of the love that he has for you. It's not about that. It's an appetite for something unhealthy that God did not give. It does not mean that he does not love you. For a man, it's not about that. He's not looking at porn for love. He's not looking at porn thinking, oh, baby, I just want to snuggle with her and lovey-dovey-dove. He's not looking for love. He's not looking for love. Let me say this, ladies. The best thing that he can do is to be able to talk to you about it and to be honest. Please allow that. Listen, I know it goes both ways, not just men but I'm going to tell you something. It's going to hurt your feelings terribly, but you have to allow him or her the freedom to talk about this. You're their best friend. You are their partner. This isn't him saying you're ugly and too fat and unattractive and he's not in love with you. That's not what this is. So listen, if you two really love each other, it's always going to be struggle together, struggle together. It's the only way you're going to make it. You're one, struggle together. Satan works in darkness and he loves to divide people. And if he can't talk to you about it, he's gonna keep it in the dark. 1 John 2 and verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it is of the world. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. It's an unhealthy appetite that has to be dealt with biblically. No, it is a sin. And what has to happen, you deal with it like any other sin. You confess it, you receive forgiveness of it, and you keep each other accountable. And then I believe you also need to involve some form of leadership in some way, maybe somebody outside the relationship, a pastor, a mentor. Get light on it, but don't hold back and talk to each other. Communication is the key, but train yourself to stop looking. Just don't do it. Don't. It's the purity test. No, listen, you don't have to look. These are tests within the test. 
No, you don't have to look. Just don't press the site. Just don't type it in. Just don't do it. It, 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 is, it is that simple, but it's not simple at all. We know that. You have to train yourself. We've got to pass this test. The trick is we can get through the pride test and we can land in the pit. And that's a really bad place to be. It is. But then suddenly we come out of the pit doing better and we get to the palace test. And, and this one seems to be going better, right? I mean, I'm, I'm getting somewhere finally and it's in this stage. My father was in the palace, so to speak, right? Things were looking up. They were going good. And then what? The purity test is there. It is a trick of the devil and he knows and it affects everybody. Either the lust side causing you to act inappropriate or on the other side of the feelings that come by making you feel unimportant and unloved. And it's a death trap. Either the death of a ministry, the death of a relationship, maybe even possibly physically death. You will never fulfill the destiny that God has for you if you do not pass the purity test. I saw it with my own father and others. And I'm telling you, it catches up to you. Not just the lust of the flesh, not just sex, but emotional affairs are no different. I'm telling you this from experience. The two feed off of one another. Do not be fooled by making it to the palace and saying, man, this is great. This is way better than the pit. And you let your guard down. No, I'm telling you, it's in this stage. You've got to pass the purity test. It affects your family. It really affects your faith. And it's going to affect your future. And it comes through the eyes. It all starts there. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Come on, we got to pass this purity test. Don't get trapped in this one. Many a good man, a good woman have fallen prey to this one because it's so easy to let your guard down coming out of the pit into the palace. Please, please be real and open and communicate. Because you are on your way to your destiny. Oh no, there's still more tests. We're not done. But we are getting closer. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Until next time. I'm going to be keeping my eyes down. Keep my eyes to myself. But I am going to be looking to attempt the ridiculous and achieve the miraculous. <laughs>